Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. I've um, titled this message this evening, What is God Like? Tough question, would you agree? And I kind of started the idea for this message um, because I think that the way that we view God has massive implications to the way that we live. I think there's been so many great atrocities and and still does occur, atrocities in the name or or done in the name of God. And this is why I think we need to know what he's like. If we don't know what God is really like, humanity has a history of doing whatever they like and attaching God's name to it. Anyone agree with me? I'm praying that this helps us on our spiritual journey because I, I sort of think that the I, one of the first messages I preached ever in my life was, it was around the lines of the way that we perceive God is the way that we receive God. I think that our view of God matters because it's where we live out our spirituality from the way that we view God. Let me say it this way. The way we view God is the way we live godly. Our understanding of what God is like have massive implications to the way that we live. Before I start this message, I feel like there needs to be a disclaimer. And here it is. Are you ready for the disclaimer? I'm not God. (laughs) There's a disclaimer. So although I'm going to try and articulate and put words around what God is really like, if God is truly magnificent like we think he is, if God is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, all these things, then I can't even find the words to describe how big and how vast and how great God is. So anything that I say tonight will, will be inadequate to describe what God is really like and how good and large he truly is. God revealed himself in, in the Old Testament in this unspeakable way. In fact, three books, different books that I've read recently from different authors, they came to the same conclusion and it was really interesting around this name of the Old Testament God called Yahweh. God revealed himself as a God, Yahweh, and it wasn't even a word. It was like a sound. It was like it wasn't uh, in the Aramaic language. It wasn't Hebrew. It was like a new that they'd never heard before. And when I was reading these books, I was blown away by it because they, all three authors, different times, come to the same conclusion that it was unspeakable because it was the idea that God was the very breath that we were breathing. That it wasn't able to, you, you weren't even able to say what God was like. It was like you couldn't even, there wasn't a word in our language that could articulate or show what God was like. And here I am trying to write a message or speak a message about what God is like. He's the author and sustainer of life. I believe that there's four ways that we can get a larger understanding or we can know what God is like. I think these kind of stand individually, but are way better when we put them together. So the first, what is God like? We can know what God is like by number one. I know it's obvious, the Bible. Would we agree with that? What does the Bible record about God? What does the Bible record about God speaking about God? There's an awesome passage. It's very well known. It's Exodus 34 verse 6. You know, Exodus 34 verse 6 is the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible. Did you know that? It's like nine times in the Bible. So it's the most quoted verse of the Bible, quoted in the Bible, if that makes sense. 
And um, we'll pick it up in a moment, but let me give you some background. So Moses is here. He's received the Ten Commandments on the two tablets of stone. He's walking de- walked down Mount Sinai, and the people have gone astray. They've built a calf. They've worshipped it, and, and he throws it and breaks the law. That's a joke. Breaks the law. It's the first instance of someone breaking the law in the Bible. I've said it before, and he's laughed about the same last time, so I thought I'll try it again. Still no luck. First instance of someone of Moses breaking the law when he threw the commandments out, and then, but God is gracious, and he calls him up again. Hey, make two new stones and come up with me, and we'll make two new tablets, and we'll give them to you again. And then this is where we pick up the story uh, as God calls Moses up Mount Sinai to re-give the law in Exodus 34, verse 6. Let's read it together. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming. So this is God proclaiming about himself. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Other translations say slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So this is what God says about himself. This is the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible. But we need to understand the context of the Bible if we want to use the Bible to see what God is like. Let me, let me explain what I'm trying to talk about. Let me illustrate that. Let's read the next verse. Exodus 34, 7. So 36 is the Lord is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Verse 7, maintaining love to thousands. This is awesome. And forgiving wickedness. Great. Rebellion and sin. Then it takes another turn. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Like what? Like God is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, and then now the kids are going to get punished because of what the parents did? What's going on there? We need to understand the context of what we're reading. We, have, we live in a time where we're blessed because we have the whole Bible. We, ha- we have the 66 books together and we can look through and we can look through the whole unfolding story of what the Bible says. We, there's great need to understand and translate in context, to know the author, the intended purpose, the genre of the particular book that we're reading from, the context of the verse and the chapter and the chapter in the book. What does this mean through the filter of the cross? What does this mean through the filter of the resurrected Savior? Another author I sort of like, Lois Turvberg, her name is, Turverberg. I don't know how to say that. Um, I've read a couple of her books. I've read um, Walking in the Feet of Rabbi Jesus, or sorry, Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus, or Walking in the Shoes of Rabbi Jesus. Anyway, this Lois lady is, uh, uh, she's a Jewish, like she's studied a lot of Jewish culture, and it really helped me understand and sort of see Jesus through a Jewish context, and it was really, really interesting, but she makes this quote about this Exodus 34, verse 7. She said, why is this? You probably find this line troubling, so you might, you might be stuck on it or left on it. But is this picking and choosing of quoted text allowable? Can we quote the verse 6 and leave the end of verse 7 out there? Well, she says, yes say rabbinic scholars, because of a pronouncement God made in Ezekiel 18, which says the innocent children are not punished for the sins of their fathers. 
So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that we need to look at the Bible in context of itself, in context of who it was written to. I can't grab a random verse out of somewhere and then apply that to my life. Because in my life, I've done that and it's been disappointing sometimes. I want to know, hey, was that a specific revelation for that person in that moment? Was that David singing a song to God, telling him how good it was? Or is that something that I can take to the bank when I need it in my life? It's an inspired word, I believe the Bible is. It's inspired word of God. It's people's testimonies and accounts of their experience with God. And it's powerful. The more I get to understand the Bible, the more I appreciate the Bible. When I was in Bible college, we did a thing called exegesis. Who knows what I'm talking about? We did all these studies on what the Bible means to them in their context, in their culture, in their time. Then what the Bible means to us as Christianity. And then, but what it means to me individually, we need this broader lens, this broader look at what the Bible is all about. Do you know that most of history is written from a bias? Like it's written from someone's point of view because it's their point of view. They're telling the story of the way that they saw the world or they saw these events unfolding. I think we do well when we understand the Bible in context. I think the Bible shows us what God is like. Number two, how do we know what God is like? One of the ways is that we look to Jesus. Number two, Jesus. Jesus is the clearest picture we have. He's the clearest picture that we have of what God looks like. He's God personified. Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He is the promised Messiah, the new king. He's the second person in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I remember I was teaching uh, RI just down here at almost state school. Mirabina Drive, just opposite the train station, if you know the one. I think Synth actually works there, doesn't she, Matt? Yeah. And um, grade six RI. And how cool are the questions that kids have? Like, you know when you're in, they're in that stage in life where no question's off limits? And they're, and they're smart. Kids are smart. I don't know when we stop being smart. Like, we stop asking questions. Because I think questions are healthy in our faith because they help us find God. Seriously, my questions have led me closer to God, not further away from Him. My interest and my wanting to know more has drawn me closer to God, and I'm really blessed to to have been gone on the journey. But I was in there, and I was talking about Jesus, the Son of God, and she goes, this grade six girl puts her hand up and goes, excuse me, Mr. Caleb, I'm like, yes. And she goes, "Um, so if Jesus is God's Son, does that make His mother, Mother Nature? And I'm like, that is a really good question. Like... Because if there's God the Father and God the Son, who's the mother? Like, that's a, that's a great question. Isn't Mother Nature, she asked. <laughs> I thought it was funny. But what I'm trying to say is that Jesus is not God's biological son. It's not like that. Son of God means like he's like God. That's what God looks like in flesh. He's like that. This was like a common thing in Greek mythology. Have you seen any of those, um, those movies from the time? Like, uh, son of Apollos or son of Zeus or, you know, all this. It was this sort of language meaning that he was like them. If, if that's what God was in a man, that's what he would look like. It's the same nature. Have you ever heard that saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? Jesus only did the will of the Father. He only did 
what the Father did. In John 5, verse 19, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of itself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Jesus is like God. If we want to know what God is like, we can look at the person of Jesus. He's not a far-off, once-removed God when we look at him through the filter of Jesus. Yet Jesus, we see in the Gospels, was someone that was willing to get his hands dirty, that was willing to hang out with people, that was willing to do life with people. Do you remember those bands, those WWJD bands? Did anyone have one of those growing up? I had a camouflage one. Who else had one? That was really cool. My wrist was so skinny, so I had to cut it, and then it started fraying. And then, um, I don't know, maybe it was my mum and my sister helped me put some nail polish on the end so it stopped fraying. That's how manly I was. WWJD band with nail polish attached. But what happens if we actually live like that? That what would Jesus do? That's what it stands for if you don't know, but... What if every circumstance or situation, if we wanted to know what God would do, what if we asked, what would Jesus do? If what if every circumstance we wanted to know what the church should be doing, and what the church, I mean, a group of believers, what should I do in this situation? Well, what would Jesus do? It wouldn't be just to throw out some Christianese, a a statement that you've heard your whole life in church, oh, I'll pray about it, brother. Like that's the right response in the moment. Maybe it wasn't a, a harsh judgment in the moment, but what if we genuinely asked ourselves, man, what, what would God do in this thing? Well, what would Jesus do? You see, the benefit is that we have is that we have like years of Jesus' life on earth documented so that we can know how he responded to people. We can know how he acted in different situations so we know what God is like. A question that I've been asking myself lately when I've been trying to articulate or work out what God's like in my head of going, would Jesus do that? What what would Jesus do? And if Jesus wouldn't do that, I wonder if my perception of God has gotten a bit skew if. If we want to know what God is like, I believe we see it in the person of Jesus. Number three, creation. I think that another thing that shows us God is creation the universe, and humanity. What about our world? How cool is our world? Romans 1.20 Forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. I think creation speaks of the goodness of God. Have you ever had one of those moments where you've been blown away by how beautiful the world is. Like maybe Maddie, you and me, us surfers. Is Caleb here? Caleb Herney was here before. Us surfers, hey Caleb. 
They love it when I say that because I try and join their club. <laughs> but maybe when you sit down in the back of the surf and like it's early morning and the sun's just rising and the water's like clear, you can see the bottom. And you know those moments when you sit there and you're like, yeah, thanks, I'll hang 10 with you, Ben. And you're like, wow, how beautiful is God? How amazing is this world? Maybe for you, it's like on top of a mountain. Maybe you've climbed Mount Warning or something and you've stood at the top and you look down and gone, oh man, the world is beautiful. Have you had one of those moments where, where you had that epiphany that if this world, which is kind of temporary, if this world is what it is and this is so beautiful, God, you must be amazing. Have you had one of those experiences where you realize that how big, how beautiful, how amazing God is because of creation? Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. That's what David said, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. Have you ever lied like out at night, like, and I don't mean on the Gold Coast, but like in the middle of nowhere? And you look up and the stars just like, there's not just a (laughs) hundred, you know what I mean? And it's like, you you don't realize how bright the stars are or how many there are. And you look up and you just, the skies just expand and you're amazed at the goodness of God. I believe that we see glimpses of God in creation. Part of creation is humanity. I believe humanity is made in his image. We all carry the image of God. The good in humanity. Colossians 1.27 To them God willed to make known what are the riches of his glory, this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I believe that there's glimpses of God in us. And I think, in fact, that's our role as Christians, is that we would live our life, that we would understand what God is like, we would live like that, and we would almost be like, ambassadors of God. We would be sons and daughters of God and sons of God, not by the biological term, but the like God, that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So if Jesus did that, that's how we would respond. That if God's like that, that's what my nature would be like. If God is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness, then I would be too. That would be the role of us being like God and humanity being like God. Others are looking for glimpses of God and they're looking for it in us. If someone looked at our lives, would they want the God that we serve? So number four, I think we can understand more of what God is like through our experiences. I believe we can know more about God than ever before. I do. We've got more access to information. We've got more access to resources. But also we've got thousands of years of people's experience of what God was like to them. Have you ever read someone's book about their testimonies? Or like a biography of someone and of what God did through them or or the miracles? Or like it's amazing because we have these people's experience. So we have this shared experience that's getting bigger and we can articulate more of what God is like. We have a fuller picture. It's like 
Human progress, however, let me reiterate this. Human progress doesn't make us closer to God. It doesn't work. Humanity is not just getting better, so one day that will get ourselves closer to God. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that even though we couldn't measure up, that even though we weren't good enough, even though we wouldn't be progressive enough, that we would be like God. But rather through a relationship with the crucified Christ, we have this experience of what God is like. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's the power of your testimony? What experiences have we had? In this room, if I was to pass this microphone around, we couldn't because it wouldn't be COVID safe. Unless we had a can of Glen 20 and we sprayed it, then Donna had a go, then Shane, then sprayed it before Kathleen because Shane doesn't want to give Kathleen COVID. It's a pair of your testimony. If we did that and went around this room, there would be stories upon stories upon stories. Your story is powerful. What God has done in your life is amazing. Never forget and never get sick of telling the stories. I feel like when I'm telling someone, oh, probably, you probably heard me say this, or I'm doing this, and I'm downplaying it. Don't downplay what God has done in your life. Talk about your experiences, share your experiences, because our experiences are how we articulate what God is like to us. This is what the Bible is, people's experience of God. Don't underestimate and don't put less value on your experience to God. Discuss your faith. I don't know if you've seen it on the pre-roll before our services, but there's like a connect group launch advertised thing. On the 1st of August, we're launching connect groups across highway. We've already got some running, but it looks like we're going to be doubling the amount that we run on August 1. I'm really excited about it. But connect groups give us a place that we can discuss our faith, where we can ask questions and we can grow together and we can say, hey, I've had this experience. Have you had that experience? And if God's like that to you, maybe he could be like this to me. And if God's done that in your life, maybe I could have faith that he could do something in my life. Christianity is better lived than consumed. Like this isn't just content. God's just not a nice idea that we can sit and listen to for one hour and they better not go late, then I can go home and watch the Broncos replay. Help them, God, if the game's still going, amen. But it's bigger than that. Christianity is better lived than consumed. This isn't, this isn't just fun to me. This isn't just a nice idea to me. This isn't pie-in-the-sky thinking. This is who I am. God, if you did this for me, I'm giving you the rest of my life. Whatever it takes, I'm in. Whether things are going well, I'm in. When things are trouble, God, you better be there because I'm going to lean on you. Don't simply take my word for it. Experience God for yourself. I love what David said in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is he who trusts in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Who's eaten an apple recently? Kim's got this thing for like, is it Kenzie apples or something, babe? Is that what they are? Kenzie or something? I, I know because I got to check out to get the right ones. Like, 
don't buy the pink ladies or the red delicious. It's a special type of apple. And that's okay. Because who's been in an apple and it's like, like that woody taste or that real like, it's not good. Like it, things can look good on the outside but not be nice on the inside. Or, you know, like you get that mandarin and it's like, this is amazing. You get one that the skin is real like too big for the fruit on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? And then you're hoping and then you get in and it's like, and it's all like hard and, and gross. That's not what God's like. God is better experienced than articulated. Like no matter how much I say what God is like, he's better for you to have your own personal experience than I could even say. This is why last Sunday night was so good. When 24 people got baptized on this stage here, it, that's why it was so good because people were tasting and seeing that the Lord was good for themselves. That's why youth camp was so good, young people, because you experience God for yourself more than I could articulate, more than I could say, we need fresh encounters now. We need fresh experiences now. If the greatest experience that we've had in God is in the past, we need a fresh experience. If our stories of what God has done in our life is getting old, we need fresh stories. I encourage you to lift your faith again, to believe that God will do something in this day, in this moment, in this time. God, use me this week. What does that look like for you? I've got stories that are new and I've got stories that are old. I don't want to be an old storyteller. I want to tell fresh stories. I want fresh experience of what God's like. Do you? So I believe we can know God through the Bible. And I encourage us, if we're not reading our Bibles, I encourage you to. When we read our Bibles, I encourage us to, to open it and to pray, Holy Spirit, just show me, just illuminate something as I read this today. Let this not just be text on a page, but bring it to life. This is, this is how I read my Bible. I'm like, God, I need something fresh from you. This is not how I fall to sleep. Like, who does that? I've been guilty of that in the past. Oh, I really need to sleep. Oh, I'll read the Bible. No, God, bring this to life to me. Show me who you are. Reveal something new of yourself to me. Number two, we know God through Jesus. Jesus, what were you like? What are you like now? What would you do in this circumstance, in this situation? Because that's the person that I'm going to be in this moment. Let's celebrate creation. Let's find the goodness of God. Let's be marveled when we're walking around the lake or when we're doing this and go, God, you are so beautiful. Thank you for creating this for ourselves. Let's see it in those around us. The beauty of humanity. But also let's experience God together. Let's pray. God, I just pray for everyone in this room right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray for a fresh touch from you right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray for a fresh experience, a fresh encounter. Holy Spirit, we just give you authority to touch our lives, to touch our hearts, and to touch our minds right now. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would give us something personally now. What would you say to us in this moment, Holy Spirit? God, what would you speak to us? I just believe even right in this moment, 
God is just speaking to hearts. He's speaking to minds. He's saying, I never left. I love you. You're enough. Let go. Holy Spirit, would you minister right now across this place? The band's just going to play a worship song and as they do, I just encourage you, if you want to experience God right now, we're just going to open this altar. For the next few minutes, if you want a fresh touch of God, I just ask you to come down and let's experience God together. Thanks, team.